Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I am under double secret protest. I just want to quote so many Animal House things, and I, <laughs> I'm cycling through one that's appropriate, and I got yeah. nothing. Yeah, you yeah. Won't, you won't find anything. So joining us also, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. He's rolling, let it go. Absolutely. The man who continues to be on a medical leave for one more week. One of our normal co-hosts is one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. Uh, we, we soldier on in his stead. It's not that Lee is so sick that he's been out for two weeks in a row. It's that we recorded these back-to-back. So. Yeah. It's, it's, don't worry about that. So, uh, But in the absence of Lee, it'll probably be a little bit shorter show, so he's going to jump into it. We got an interview later on with founding member of parliament, not the British one, the funk band one. Yeah, the George Clinton one. <laughs> yes, Calvin Simon, who's got a new record out, a gospel record. Incredible story of a guy who's you know in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Platinum Records and a Vietnam vet. and an Amazing story, a great dude, good heart, and great music, so... Uh, we're going to get to that here in a bit. We got some good questions. We feel like jumping in, or yeah, total. No, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's get right to the wisdom. Let's get right to it. You, you said it like you meant it. Yep. So we're going to do no, it. I do. I mean it. First Let's question go. comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, "I'm one of your many." <laughs> I'm the Glenn Oh, thank God. Hey. One of these days, are going to call my bluff, and it's going to be a 45 minute episode, <laughs> or it's going to be like halfway through. Well, thank you. You can get us to say that podcast at I declare an emergency. It, it'll it'll be just like the tension will be building. Sure, the whole sure, thing absolutely. Like, it'll be like an M Night Shyamalan podcast. <laughs> okay, so I have an emergency. Oh, do you? Here's what here's here's what's happened. Um, the um, we're in the say say that worldwide headquarters. Indeed, Indeed, we are. It's an underground bunker. Yes, yeah. Uh, we're protected against all nuclear blasts, etc. Sure. So well, that happens. Plenty of lead paint, so maybe. Uh, you know, we'll then we'd rule the earth. You Just know. us and the cockroaches. That's right. So, uh, and in, in, we have received uh, a parcel. Ooh, I love Ooh. parcels. And normally, uh, when we receive a parcel, we have uh, we X-ray it. Sure. We shoot it with gamma rays. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we, just in case there's a tiny Hulk in it. That's right. Uh, we 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 you know have it inspected and do the sure. robots and whatnot. You know, yeah, we have a robot that comes in and opens it. Sure, absolutely. It, we couldn't does. afford both the robot and the sniffer dog, so we built a robot dog. Yeah. That's right. It's it it doesn't really do anything, but it looks adorable. Sure. Absolutely. And probably if it goes kaboom, well then that's that that won't happen to us. Which is really the key thing, right? So um, here's the good news is. The package contains very lovely and delicious baked goods. It ah. certainly does. Now, that's p- the finest kind of parcel. People at home are probably, yeah, that's Jed's, Jed's making noise with Welcome it. to Jed Does Foley. Mmm. How, how's that, Jed? Delicious. <laughs> now, listener, you can direct your emails about Jed's eating noises to Pete Lawson at the internet dot Google because we're at dinner before we come down to record. We mentioned, oh, we got some lovely cookies. We'll probably do an emergency about it. And Pete, one of our dear coworkers, says, I love the, I think it's so funny when Jed eats on mic. Mm, me so, too. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so, You're all the worst. <laughs> okay, so well, here, 
Really? So yeah, cooking. Glenn was doing the eating with the mouth, with talking his mouthful bit. Did not take into account has to keep reading. Oh, right. So she put a note with it. Oh. And it says, "Dare say that." Thank you for two hundred and fifty excellent shows. You're welcome. I've listened to them all. Seriously? Yeah, that's that is what it inadvisable. Says. But we appreciate your commitment. wow. I'm, the 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 mental health you have to have. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure to survive. I'm pretty sure, friend. You and I are the only two people who've listened to all of these, and that's just because I've edited them. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for a while, but I wasn't really paying attention. Nah, I, I've listened to them all, and they're all appreciated. Exclamation point. She didn't say they were all good, and that is fair. Yeah, that's absolutely right and true. Appreciates the effort. Also, thanks for the shout out. It was a nice surprise because we gave her a shout out on this show. Uh, and this is from Miss Claire. And uh, she tells us to have a happy and blessed 2017. Now, here's the thing uh, about that. It's almost certainly not going to happen. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you if you tell us to have a happy and blessed 2017 and there's cookies, mm-hmm. well, then it, it it's already starting to come true. Absolutely. This is kind of one of those kind of Charles Spurgeon, don't just pray for the the, you know, for your neighbor to be healed, go to the hospital and help them out. If you want to right. pray that we have a happy 2017, send along some cookies and jumpstart that process. That's right. And it, here, here's 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 the thing: is some people tell us, "Hey, have a happy and blessed 2017," and there's not cookies. That feels like it rings a little hollow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like there really should be cookies anytime you're telling me be blessed. Yeah. You know, uh, you you got an oven at your place. Why don't you fry up some cookies? All right. I mean, I don't want you to be blessed that hard. That's right. Uh, you can tell that Glenn does not believe in being on the giving side of this, as he just described frying up some cookies. Yep. Dude, I'd eat a fried cookie. You don't even know. I would eat a fried cookie. The people of Scotland have something for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing about this cookie situation. Still funny to you, isn't it? It really is. Uh, it's my fault for mentioning it, dear listener. Here's what's up, man, is... Um, uh, people love us. They really do. When they express for that, reasons we cannot explain, they express that love to us through baked goods. Quite. Yes, and we encourage that. Sure, we do. Now, there's some people who claim to love us and think, you know, we, you know, we, we think they're it's a show and they're great. Like, they're, they're great. great. You know. Yeah. But those people have not sent us sure. baked goods. Yeah. Praise without cookies is dead. And that's in the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Something like Close it. Enough. So I think uh, we sh- we need to think about what are we going to do about those people. Well, uh, pray at them. That much is certain. Sure, no doubt about it. Can we block them in, from receiving the podcast? And stuff? I don't think Ooh. so. Is the technology available for that? No, nah, I think it's just an RSS feed. You can block them in real life if you want. Yeah. If they try to talk to you, you can just yell blocked. Yeah, and then run away. Mm. Well, this brings I'm going to do that in all kinds of things. Blocked! You got to use that judiciously. You can't, sir. Mr. Fitzgerald, you know why I pulled you over? Blocked. <laughs> so you got to use that judiciously. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, well, this brings us to a good point. We, we do thank Miss Claire. They are lovely cookies. It's a lovely card. Let's, yeah. let, us not, um, let us not lose sight of the fact that basically, um, in, intern Leah, right. who does wonderful work, we appreciate very much, uh, one original super fan, came yep. and said, my sister Claire is a huge fan. Yeah. She would love a shout out, which yeah. we were happy to do. But then we added on a 
confectionery extortion to that. Yep. Right. And it worked. So Claire, yep. as much as we appreciate the cookies, you have joined a long line of well-meaning Christian women who have essentially just enabled our bad behavior. Yep. Right. And we thank you for it. We really yeah. do. That's how it should be. It, it absolutely is. And speaking about how it should be, you make yeah. a good point. We're coming, you know, in a new year, we're coming off the holidays. I would like Jed to walk us through a pet theory of his recently, which is we all have family members, people, maybe at church through the holiday, who they, they do the wishing and they try to do the compliment and the well words, and they're just terrible at it. Yep. And Jed has come up with a three-step beginner system yes. for how to ingratiate yourself to someone mm. with no fuss, no muss. Absolutely Mr. right. Mr. Brewer, if you would. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the holidays are nearly upon us, by which I mean it is January, and eventually it will be the holiday season yet again. So we want to be prepared. How do we show love and affection without making a mess of it and, you know, causing a disaster? With three easy steps, you can love your family effectively. Step one, say something nice. It doesn't need to be deep. It doesn't need to be transcendent. You can just say, I like your shirt. That was something nice that you said. Right. That's step one. Step two, something of value that you are giving them. Doesn't need to be a lot of value. It could be a dollar. Here is a dollar. (laughs) You have achieved this goal. Step three is is the critical step. Do you do you tuck it in their waistband? No, or no, no, the, no. Okay. Just hand it to hand them. Hand to hand. Hand. Okay. okay. Hand it to them. Step okay. three. Good question, Glenn. Thank, thank you. And this is really this is the important step. This is one you have to get right. Leave. Okay. Quickly. It, don't quickly. Ru- don't ruin it. it. Because things go wrong after that. I like your shirt. Here is a dollar. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. And you say, Jed, I'm not made of dollars, and maybe their shirt's terrible. That's okay. That, it's, that's okay. It's a flexible system. That's, that's the right. genius when Jed describes the system. If you have someone, you say, um, you're, you're quite tall. Here's a nickel. <laughs> Bye. Right. That's right. You have done something nice. Confusing, right. but nice. Right. Take, for example, and uh, 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 she didn't even know she was doing it right. Our, our super fan Claire here. Cookies. Yeah. Here's nice words in a card. Right. Goodbye. And then leaving us alone. That's right. That's yeah. the best part. <laughs> it, it's a 10 out of 10. Could not have done that better. That's it's a right. perfect interaction. Here's the question. As you hear these words in your brain, you're thinking, surely it's not as simple as all that. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the past holidays, like the ones that ended like a week ago, and ask. think of the, the worst, most awful interactions you had, because you know you had them. Uh-huh. They're unavoidable. And I want you to think, think about Uncle Rick who is always on something weird and always right. doing something inappropriate, think if he had said, I like your haircut, here is a muffin, goodbye. Right. Yep. Think how much better that would have been right. with Uncle Rick as opposed to what he actually said and That's did. Right. That's right. You'd say that the Uncle Rick's a pretty decent guy. You know, I'm sorry. I like muffins. I like muffins. And, uh, uh, you know, he gave me this bus token. I could probably use that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So that's good. And you I'm know. glad he noticed my haircut. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, You can't go wrong. I think it's genius. I think it's fantastic. I, 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 will, I want to pitch kicking it up a notch. If you guys don't like it, you send it right back. Okay. We're, we're all in ministry occasionally. Uh, though Jed is the worship leader of the bridge, he's occasionally, as he was recently, pressed upon to preach. Mm. He does in our jail service, and mm-hmm. Glenn does that as well. I do a little bit. And there's moments, and I can imagine if you were a, one of the things none of us are as a church pastor has to come mm. up with a sermon every week. Right. It seems like, uh, to be fair, we make fun of the pastors and the preaching because, eh, you know. But it, it's a tough job to have mm. to come up with something. And at the bridge, as you, if you listen to our bridge podcast, you hear we take questions from the audience. That's how we generate the content. So to mm-hmm. just, you know, blank page, we want you to talk for 20 minutes every week. Mm-hmm. Tough assignment. If there's one of those weeks where you just came up dry and you said, 
All right, there's 200 people in this church. It's going to take 40 minutes. Pastor is up front with right. a bag of dimes. Right. And he will say something nice about your outfit. <laughs> Come up one at a time. Yep. Receive your personal sermon and then shuffle on out the door. Right. Enjoy lunch. Right. So you Here. say, you know, Mrs. Johnson, nice shoes. Dime. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If, if you invite me to your church, I walk in, the guy says, May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. Yes. And so on and so forth. Love. Nice watch. Here's nice a watch. Here's a coupon for a Big Mac. Be blessed. You've just rocked my world. That's church, yep. baby. Yeah. That's way better than 90% of what I see out there. So. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard. That's right. <laughs> People in 2017, make it your goal to take a lesson from Super Fan Claire. Yes. And right. do it right. Yes. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. You, you got anything? Maybe you want to button it, kind of something you want to declare no. to kind of. Yeah, no, I'm good. With, uh... All right, moving on to our first question. Comes, comes in an auto our Tumblr inbox. I declare much is off. Yeah, I, I knew he couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenn has certain uh, personality foibles, and one of them is he really does not like a lack of closure. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I have so, like OCD on that. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, we do have an interview uh, in our second segment with uh, Mr. Calvin Simon, who has a, a really cool record coming out called It's Not Too Late and does have an amazing story. We got an email from his publicist who we know, his friend of ours, who said, um, Here's Calvin and would you like to interview him? So I read the email, and the, the headline is Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. I think, well, that's good. Then I get to Founding Member of Parliament Funkadelic, and I'm already saying, well, I don't need to read anything else. I'm Luckily, the record is good, and he's a very nice guy with a cool story, because I had already responded yes to that email yeah. right, right. before I finished the word Funkadelic. That's yeah. right. That's right. Because if you have a Christian podcast that has uh, gets sent cookies and gets to interview Parliament Funkadelic, it's already been a pretty good 2017. It yeah, really yeah. has. So we're going to get to that here in a second. But Probably as a lot of Christian podcasts have that, though. Absolutely. It's pretty standard. He's, he's on Moody Radio all the time. Yeah, that's right. We're get, so we're going to get to that in a later segment. As always, we're going to answer a couple of your questions as well. Our first one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I'm one of your many British fans. Ooh. International here on the podcast this week. And I'm terribly thankful for your wisdom and your humor. Mm. Humor, H-U-M-O-U-R. I think they're telling the truth about that Britishness. Fancy. Yep. I'm hoping you can help with a distressing situation. My roommate and I started out as good friends, but we've drifted apart. They've stopped going to Bible study and started going out dancing and drinking. And I think that they're not, I think they think I judge them. I don't, but at the same time, they don't seem happy. How can I talk to them without making things worse? I'm glad I'd love to get you to start us off on this. It's actually um, a corollary with a lot of stuff we deal with in our day job. Of mm. uh, We've actually had, we, it was pretty recently we had a guy come into the bridge, and the first thing he said to you and me at the door was, I know you guys don't want me here. <laughs> right. and he was quite drunk. Right. So technically correct. Right. We don't want him being drunk at the bridge. Right, right, it's not right. really the same as him being drunk at the bridge, but people do go into that when they're in a in a spot in life where they're not really getting what they want, mm-hmm. one of the first things that happens is that defensiveness. Yes, yeah. As a friend of the question points out, it can feel like anything you do to address the situation at all is just going to trigger that. So what should we do? Well, I think uh, it, it's a great question, really, and and it shows you've got a lot of insight into the, the ins and outs of this, by the way that you ask it. I think the key thing is to be... First of all, be 100% honest with yourself. I mean, 
you you judging her is one thing, but are you in some ways disappointed, particularly that mm-hmm. you had a friend that you had that you were close with, and now you're sort of in a position where you can't be as close? She may be reading that disappointment as judgment, so that it is something legitimate that you feel. Mm-hmm. She's just reading it in a little bit of an off kind of a way. Uh, but I think the the thing to the, the way to turn that corner is to look at uh, asking her, uh, "Are you happy in all of this?" As opposed to, uh, uh, you know, "Are you having fun?" Or, um, uh, you know, "Do you feel good about your life choices?" Yeah. Those kinds. Of, you can add ask questions that are sort of loaded, but the idea is you want to. Say, hey, look, you know, I want you to be happy. If you're happy doing this stuff, okay. But uh, sometimes I look at you, and you're not that happy. So, what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, are we sure this is the best way for you to achieve the thing you want? And it doesn't have anything to do with what I want, you know. But you just want me to go to church. Well, I want you to be happy. I, yeah, I'd say happiness may have something to do with that. Going to you know, church makes me happy. Yeah, I'm yeah. To, I'm just trying to connect with you on that level. Yeah, but you know, if uh, you know, uh, my suspicion is she may be doing this thing because she maybe doesn't feel uh, that all of her fellowship needs are being mm-hmm. met at church. You know, so that you know that she's kind of trying to replace that in her life. It's not unusual. We see lots and lots and lots and lots of people go to churches where. There's a lot of high production value. The lighting rig is just unbelievable. We're going to yeah. make him famous, man. That's right. And I'm not sure if I'm talking about Jesus or the pastor here. I get those confused, but maybe both. You know, and then you have the Jumbotron. we got to have the Jumbotron. It's the biggest projection Cable screen. cam. Yeah, all real thing in megachurches in the area. But here's the thing is uh, you can go to those churches and uh, maybe the Preaching is better than where you grew up, I guess, or maybe it's not. But the the thing is, the fellowship is going to really stink in those kind of situations because you you're just a number. Nobody knows if you're there or you're not. You know, whatever have you. Now you may go to a larger membership church and then be part of a Bible study, and that's where your fellowship needs are met, and that's good stuff. I would say that's kind of more of your body life is is what you're having with that Bible study. But it's okay. It's it's fine to mix and match on that. But I think what I would have you look at is, was your friend getting quality fellowship Mm. uh, before? And if not, then that may be kind of the solution that we're looking for. And that would also deal with maybe a sense of loneliness that you might have of, you know, this is somebody you used to be more close with, and now she's not hanging out quite as much. But I think if you approach it with that standpoint and an attitude of, I need to have a little bit of patience with this process. Some people have to try things and, you know, kind of find out for themselves why it's it's kind of a bankrupt situation. Yeah, I think that patience is a really key thing. And, Jeff, I'd love to go to you on this. There's a, a phrase I've heard you uh, mention a lot when you're talking about uh, people you're counseling or even people you're just kind of friends with who are going through this kind of, like, walking away situation, which is the concept of, well, if you're happy. Sure. Said in that tone of voice. Right. Which belies, I know you're not. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. I think Glenn gave us a lot of good advice for kind of how to steer this person maybe back when they're ready. But in that in-between period, one of the things we, again, deal with at the, at the bridge and our work a lot is you can't actually make a case to someone that they're not happy. Yeah. Even if they're 
obviously not happy. Yep. You mm-hmm. are showing up to church on a Tuesday night, drunk off your rear end. Right. You are not happy. Yeah. Right. What, whatever hap- has happened here, the dream has gone awry. Yeah. Right. No somewhere along right. the way. Right. right. But I think we could we could all say that the biggest difference we see between people who are ready to change and aren't is whether or not the story they're telling themselves is still that they're having fun. Yeah. So what do we do? How do we deal with someone um, who we want to maintain a relationship with? We want to be there to implement this good strategy Glenn mm-hmm. has given us mm-hmm. when they're ready to admit something. But for now, if you say, well, how's it going? And they say, it's awesome. It's great. Party. Right. <laughs> right. Woo! Party. Woo. Yeah. yeah. And that's all they're giving you. It. I think our friend, as, as Glenn pointed out, our friend of the question is being very astute to say, it feels like if I say, uh, it doesn't look like you're having fun, right. that they're just going to get pissed. So right, what, right, what do we right, do right. in that interim? Well, it's a great question. Let's describe some left and right boundaries for a second, as my wife would put it. Um, on one side, we have doing nothing. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to take any action. I'm just going to let this be whatever it is. That's probably not the right move here. And on the other hand, basically having the Christian equivalent of um, a confrontation, you know, and, you know, I know you're not happy and, you know, here right, it is. Right, right, that, right. That's, that's not it either. The, the truth, although Christians often want to do this, the sitting someone down, I mean, the, the idea, basically an intervention and saying, we have an emergency level situation that we need to deal with. Those are extremely infrequent, mm-hmm. extremely infrequent. And often, almost exclusively involve physical danger. Exactly this is, right. This person's going to end up uh, in the hospital or in jail if I let them go through with this. Exactly right, mm-hmm. exactly right. The vast, vast majority of time, it's something where we kind of have to let them set the pace, at least a little bit, and we're prepared to respond to whatever they're ready for. So um, I think one of the things to look at, and I think Glenn is right, I think fellowship is the whole thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really, really true. I think the funny thing is you can begin giving her fellowship now without her realizing that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that Christians really struggle with and they get wrong a lot is the idea of, you know what we need to do is just be doing like spiritual stuff just all the time. Um, right. Like we'll have Bible study and then we'll go to praise night and we'll go from praise night to the prayer meeting right. and from the prayer meeting to our Greek time and from super Greek holy. time. Then that'll be super holy. Greek time like lamb? Uh, no, Greek time like learning to exegete. Well, that's not delicious at all. Well, it's delicious to my soul, Matthew. The baklava is delicious to my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is why I don't get invited to Greek time. Exactly that's right. right. You that's know what the, you did. That's right. The the thing is, Christians um, are in general actually pretty bad at knowing how to just have fun. Mm. We're just gonna we're just gonna do something that's fun, man. We're gonna go play pool. We're gonna uh, you know do mini golf. We're gonna go eat nachos. We're gonna go to the movies. We're gonna play some video games. There is great value in just having fun and relaxing with people you care about who share your core values. Uh, that's the glue that holds that all together, dude. No doubt. I, yeah. I can tell you around this operation. We're, we are regularly pushing ourselves to do more of just hanging out and having some fun together. Um, you know, uh, uh, later this week, we're all going to be getting together at my place and hanging out and just relaxing, you know, Mm -hmm. just, uh, uh, with, with the goal of not trying to do anything spiritual at all. Right. You know, the the goal is just to just chill out and have some fun for a little while. Um, and I think your friend needs that, whether she Mm -hmm. knows it or not, whether she would know to call it fellowship or not. And Mm -hmm. you can begin that process right now uh, by saying, you know, we need to go get nachos. You know, that good nacho place. Let's go. Or whatever your equivalent of nachos is. It doesn't, it doesn't. I I think it's hard to find good nachos in England. Sure. Absolutely. I'm Sure. I know for a fact you're not finding good nachos in England. But whatever it is, we'll get coffee, we'll get, you know, whatever the thing is. It is worth asking, you know, when you sit down, you're saying, how are you doing? 
You know, mm-hmm. how are you know, how are we how are we feeling? Mm-hmm. Let her set the pace. Right. You know, That's I mean, right. if if she says the uh, oh, I'm great, everything's good, party, woo, you know, it's, hey, if you're happy, I'm happy. Right. That's a great phrase because that if is really important. Right. That's right. That's now, right. I think one thing that will trip up some Christians, and it's important, it's actually, it's one of those things that comes from a decent place, we just need to know how to apply it. And you might hear people say, well, I don't want to seem like I'm endorsing, blah, 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 blah. And that is our left and right of saying, most of the time we will, we will uh, mock you and say, no one cares what you're endorsing anything. Yeah. But if someone just says, you know, we went out, we had a few drinks, and we danced, if you're happy, I'm happy. That's, that's fine. That's fine. If they yeah. say, we killed a drifter. <laughs> And threw yeah. them off a bridge. That, that's not if you're happy, I'm happy. That's bad. That's, yeah. that's, that's bad. bad. That's no way to dispose of a drifter's body. <laughs> it's just sloppy is what it is. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Okay. I, I've been through the ministry training, okay? Right, I, I okay. pay attention. Okay. But, but people say, it's a fair thing, but as you're saying, there, all this requires left and right limits. Say, well, yep. I don't want to seem like I'm signing off on... You can be clear on that and say, well, I, I don't think I would enjoy that. But if you're happy, I'm happy for you. Sure. You're absolutely right. I, I think we may want to look in the words we use, um, are we coming off as a judgmental person? Because uh, that may be more important to the future of this young woman's spiritual life than um, whether or not uh, an invisible and non-existent audience thinks we're endorsing her activities. Right, but let's right, actually, I'm right. glad you brought that up. Let's, let's pause for a second and talk about that. First, in 99% of cases, sin is not only boring, it's super mundane. Yeah. The worst case scenario for what this girl is doing, she's having a few drinks, she's taking some ecstasy, um, she's hooking up with someone inadvisable, and then she's rinsing and repeating a couple times a week. Now, that's a bad idea, Mm -hmm. um, and so we've said it, those things officially constitute sin. Those are sinful things we are describing, just so we're all clear. Sin check. Sin check. (laughs) You got it. A few things. A, your friend isn't confused about that. She yeah. knows those things yeah. are bad yeah. and that they are naughty. Thing number two, she knows you think they're bad right. and are naughty. Yep. Right. Thing number three, even if you sat down and said to her, I think those things are great. I think right. they're wonderful. Right. She wouldn't believe you because she knows you don't think that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what is already understood doesn't need to be repeated and said out loud. Mm-hmm. Hence, mm-hmm. hey, if, it's, if you're happy, I'm happy. If it's, if right. it's working for you, it's, it's working for me. If Lee were with us, what he would say, and he would be exactly right, is we are earning the spot that we want later on when this young lady is ready for a different kind of life and a different kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Whether it's next week or 10 years from now, a moment's going to come where uh, the drinking and the drugging and the hooking up are not working anymore, Mm -hmm. and she's going to want something different in her life. In that moment, she needs someone to talk to, and we're putting in the work now to reserve that spot that we are the first phone call she makes in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, she knows you're not endorsing anything she's on. She's, she's aware of that. But the gift of what we're getting nachos together, we're going to the movies together, whatever it is, and we're just hanging out. Gons. You got it. You nailed it. There you go. Glenn officially wins Britishness. Uh, but, uh, but, but that's the thing is to, is to be patient, give yourself permission. And that is fellowship. That's actually what we're describing mm-hmm. is getting some fellowship going before she even needs it. I think it'll be more powerful and more effective, uh, than you think it will. And of course, if she says, man, I'm actually not doing well. I'm having a rough time. Well, now we're off to the races and that's right. everything Glenn was talking that's about right. at the beginning, kind of yeah. how we handle that. Uh, but just be a friend to her. Start yeah. there. Be, be an actual friend. Be someone who loves her and cares about her and let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit convict her of sin yeah. and let the Lord do the rest of that work. Bangers and mash. Okay. Sure. That's that's as British as mushy peas. Okay. You know what Jed's being right now? Right. A real continental. I that's really am. The, you know what he is? 
He's he's one of those provincials. No doubt. About I've been it. called that many times. He's a he's that's a, true. He's a he's a <laughs> colonial is what he is. Well, aren't we all? Yeah. Well, I I think that's really uh really a smart way to look at both of the, what we do in the meantime and what we do when we're when this person's ready to go. I think the the thing that is unpleasant to tell you, but it it needs to be said is that period of time can go on for a long time yeah, to can. be in that middle ground. I think it, there's a certain kind of um comfort in Christians wanting to march in. Why I made my case and I took my shot. That's really not always the smartest way to do it. As we're saying, you know, if there's some really destructive, like, you know, um, as has literally been said to me, driving a guy back to the bridge, I mean, my girl, my girlfriend tried to put a hit out on me, but she's still my world. Yeah. At true. that point, you turn to that man and you say, is this relationship the healthiest thing to be? Because <laughs> Should she, she, be your she hired someone to kill you. Yeah. So we're in that kind of thing, you know, and I don't want to, it would be dark for you, you're going to kind of keep this in a somewhat jokey tone and forgive us if that's off putting. But if it is a, well, you know, I woke up in an alley, but right. you know, party, right? right? right. Yeah. Right. Say, it's not really, really working out for right, you, right, but right, right, right. that's not really what we're assuming kind of your college age. It's really not the way most of that goes. So it, it, it is the worst answer at all of Christianity. And I apologize for having to tell it to you. You do have to have faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a big part of this uh, and having some peace with this, and it will come through in the way you re- you act towards your friend is trusting that God has this situation. Yes. Mm. That's very hard to do. Again, we, we talk about, you know, how we do this in our day jobs. It's not easy. This is yeah. one of the, I think it's fair to say one of the hardest things we have to do in our jobs is uh, say, well, this guy is he's either going back down state or he's walking away or he saw him using again. And there's no magic words I can say. So we're just going to have to trust that God's going to bring him back around whenever he brings him back mm-hmm. around. It's a tough thing to do, but you're, you're far better off putting your kind of effort into that as opposed yep. to trying to turn your friend around because mm-hmm. they're going to read that on him. And if you're trying to put your effort into, I'm going to be cool, I'm going to trust, and th- that will really come through in a way that your friend reads. Just to add one thing exactly on what you're saying. Everybody in life has to learn a certain number of things the hard way. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, right. there are no exceptions to that. Um, it's just a guess, but for your friend, if she's been to church more than once, she's heard drinking and drugging and hooking up are not good. She's, right. again, Christian, she's, she's aware, she knows. She also exists in a culture where billions of dollars a year are spent to convey the message drinking and drugging and hooking up are the best thing that exists. Right. That is the top awesome. of life. It's the most amazing thing we've that mankind has yet invented. Right. Are these carnal pleasures. Sometimes people have to learn things the hard way. Right. I have things in my life I had to learn the hard way. That's true for every single person. We should not resent when people have to learn things the hard way. That's right. Yeah, that's um, right. Because we all have to learn some things the hard way. You, you, you wish they wouldn't have to, but you, sometimes you have to let them do it that way. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and this is the key thing is when they've kind of decided, no, this is one I need to learn the hard way, which again, they're going to have some of that. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. It's counterproductive to try and insist they don't do right. that. Right. Yeah. That it's it's kind of productive for their spiritual health, and actually, in a way, it's kind of rude and disrespectful. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If, if someone said, "No, this is the way I want to live my life," it actually isn't your right or your call as a Christian right. to uh, uh, to try and necessarily get in the way of that, because mm-hmm. that that actually kind of quickly becomes a not loving thing, mm-hmm. and that's not it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's, it is. Um, there is an assumptiveness in the way that a lot of Christians would want to go about this, the kind who don't work with people who have actual problems, which is that kind of, well, you just have to explain to her that it's bad. Yeah. And that other things are good. As Jed is pointing out, as Glenn pointed out, she knows. Yep. 
Yeah. It's a sad thing that you have to come to that in your own time. There's uh, very, probably a very complex reality of why these behaviors, why now, why for this time. But again, so, so a lot of this comes down to you have to have some patience and some trust, which again is the worst answer in all of Christendom. Yeah. And we do apologize for it, but hopefully uh, Glenn and Jed gave you some some good things you can do in the meantime, that hanging out, having fun, being cool. We, we mentioned that a fair amount on the show. There's a couple times you go say, well, we, I went outside, went out last night and got super rip-roaring drunk. You say, mm. oh, that's cool. You want to get some nachos. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, this is, you, you will have to occasionally prove that you can be cool. Yeah. Kebab. Yes. Very good. That's how they say it. Okay. Yeah. Good. If you're, if you're in Scotland, you can get a fried Mars bar, but don't go out Ooh. for those too often. That's wow. destructive to your health. When I am standing in Edinburgh looking at something going, oh, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have to air travel in the next three days. Right. This seems yeah, inadvisable. Yeah. Perilous even. Yeah, Scotland, a man from the hills of Tennessee looked at your food. <laughs> a man from the home of Funnel Cake <laughs> looked at your foodstuffs and said, that seems brave. Yeah. You've really done it. And uh, so there's a lot of good stuff on that. All right, we're going to move on to our interview segment this week. As I mentioned, this is a guy named Calvin Simon. If you've heard any funk music in your life, it is probably Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. If we had a much higher budget, this is where we would play the chorus of We Want the Funk. Yeah. But go to your Spotify's, your iTunes. <laughs> yes, exactly that. You've, you've heard it, I guarantee you. So it was a huge band, started in the 50s as the Parliaments. It's like a doo-wop yeah. group. Through the 60s and 70s, got huge, multiple platinum albums, multiple gold albums, toured the world. Calvin Simon was there for all of it. He was one of the founding members all the way through um, through the various incarnations of this band into the 80s. Um, he has a crazy story where he, he's, uh, he's a uh, disabled Vietnam veteran. He has PTSD. He's open about that. He uh, had some health problems with himself and his wife, and uh, that really kind of turned him back towards a faith that he heard about in his youth. He's going to tell bits and pieces of that story. It really is an amazing story that's brought him to kind of getting back into music. And uh, so we're going to take you to that right now, and we'll be back at the end with kind of the name of the album, place and get it. We're going to take you to my interview with Calvin Simon right now. Well, it started out with we had a common goal of singing. Mm-hmm. Because all of us could sing, even though we came from different parts of the country, we all ended up in New Jersey at the same time in 1956. And we uh, start singing, and by the love of singing, that showed us a whole new light. Because uh, at the time when we were singing, we realized, hey, that's the way to get the girls, man. Sure. And actually, that was kind of a way out uh, of the gang and the drug situation for me. Because, uh, you know, we had all the girls and stuff coming to see us sing. And you know when all the girls show up, all the hardheads are going to be not too far behind. That's absolutely right. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of helped us to get along with all the gangs because everywhere we went, all the gangs accepted us because everywhere we went, we brought the fun and the ladies with us. That's that's absolutely fascinating. Um, <laughs> you talk, that's, a, that's a good tip for, for guys like us who run an urban ministry. I think we're going to start... Start focusing on bringing in the ladies and let everything else everything else fall into place. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know what? It, it all boils down to, you know, when I was younger, I was raised in a church because I had a praying grandmother that insisted on me learning the Bible and, mm-hmm. and learning what Jesus Christ was all about and why he died for us. And 
but you're if you can take us forward in the story so you've had all this success you've had the 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 very i'm sure harrowing experience of being in vietnam but it was it was something much later in life that actually kind of brought you into an active relationship with the lord right yes it is well you know what i've always uh had him close by because those experiences that happened to me in vietnam that was just really scary and uh, to realize that he brought me through that and to let you see how close to death you can come and still not succumb to death, to let you know that he has the power to bring you out of it. And the thing for me is I've always wanted to get closer. And I was looking for that father-son relationship that I never had. Because mm-hmm. I never had, I only saw my father one time in my life. Wow. And I only saw my mother a couple of times in my life. So I was basically raised on my own with the help of a of a grandmother that instilled some, some spiritual values in me, which I'm glad that she did, and I thank her for that. But, man, it, 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 it was tough out there growing up, you know, half-educated and out and alone. And all we had was each other, so we decided to make a pact that we were going to be the five of us against the world. Wow. And that's when we started, and and because of that, and and all the trials and trouble and tribulations that we went through, what got us through was the fact of all of us sticking together, so we could overcome adversity. That's that's amazing. And with the with the current projects and the gospel stuff, it sounds like you're talking back in the day of you guys brought the fun, and you saw how that was transformative. Are you trying to infuse that? The record is very fun. It's very upbeat. Are you trying to infuse that kind of um, bringing the fun and bringing the positivity into what you're making now? Yes, and, 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 and that's very important to me at this point in my life because, I mean, the journey that I've been on and, and the things that he has brought me through and let me experience and going all over the world and enjoying different cultures and, and enjoying success. And, you know, what young people have to realize Everything that glitters is not necessarily gold. Yes. Because there's a lot of things that happen with all that success and fame. And some the success and the fame turns some of your brother's heads in the wrong direction. Mm. And, and the money has a tendency to do that. But what you have to realize, or you realize as you go along your journey, that you have to be in control of money and not let money be in control of you because success can do strange things to people and it could turn brother against brother to the point where you want to kill each other and and, and thank god it didn't happen but it would almost happen mm. but another way was shown to you because you asked for divine intervention to come into your life Absolutely. Well, what was it like? You 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 talk, and some of the songs are about you. You had you know as much success as musicians can have: gold records, platinum records, world tours, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As as our Lord put it, would, at some point did it occur to you that that was a bit of a house built on sand, and it couldn't stand up to all the hard stuff you were going through? Boy, let me tell you, uh, run that by me again, because my mind went somewhere else. Oh, there's so much to tell. I'm trying to get it all confined so I could get it to you. Absolutely. And hey, the stories are great. Whatever you want to tell is 
is fantastic. But when you went through the stuff with your own health, with your with your wife's health later on, I'm wondering, was there ever a moment where it occurred to you that all the worldly success, as you're saying, all this all this good stuff, it didn't, it it wasn't a strong enough house, I guess, as the parable goes, to to stand well, up against me, those real kind of challenges. For for me, uh, it came when we were number one in the world. Oh wow! And we were touring. We were touring with the mothership at the time, and uh, we had played the Los Angeles Coliseum, and it didn't have a roof on it, so we had to use cranes and everything to get the mothership to land and take off and okay. everything. And uh, I mean, hey, sometimes you got to get creative, man. You know, sure. <laughs> when you got a mothership, so what happened? We were number one. But, man, there was so much going on in the group, man, because there was drugs involved, there was money involved, there were power struggles involved, and you had George in the middle trying to take the credit for everything. And to see your brother to try to take every credit for everything, when you know you all started together back in 1956, to go from we to I, it was mm-hmm. a heck of a transition. And it was to the point where I had... I was getting ready to do something really serious because uh, coming back from Vietnam, I'm a a 100% disability vet as it is. Mm -hmm. And to come back and to deal with all of this turmoil and and have to deal with all those ghosts of the past, and sometimes it was really hard to keep the genie in the bottle. Yeah. But but I prayed about it, and I I asked God, you know, to help me. Because I was in a situation where I was getting ready to do something really bad. And he told me to leave the situation. And I said, well, what am I going to do? Because I'm number one in the world. I don't want to leave this. I mean, I got all the girls and the drugs. I got everything that I ever wanted. But there was a hole, there was a void in my heart that all of those drugs and the girls and the success and everything else couldn't feel. Wow. And it wasn't filled until I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. That, and that's let me amazing. You, let me tell you, by asking, because he, he'll stand beside you for your whole life. Mm-hmm. But if you don't ask him to come in and give him an invitation to come in, he will not accept you into his world. That's you got to make the first step. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing that you kind of lived your own version of the, the rich young ruler story where... You, he really did ask you to give everything up, and you did it. That's that's so incredible. And does that take it take you to the um, the kind of theme of the new album? It's not too late. I'm assuming it sounds like that has a big role in your story and your life. What what are you trying to uh, communicate to other people about the idea that it's not too late? Well, this this is this is how it happened for me, and I know it was divine intervention that happened. And then the words that came to me was, it's not too late, don't hesitate, because Jesus will be your Lord and Savior. And from that, those lyrics and that dream, the whole concept of the album came about. And from beginning to end, it took me nine weeks. Wow. So I know it was divine intervention that did that. Yeah. Because you can't write and arrange and record and do all these things and get the artwork done. I mean, every step and everybody that was involved in the project, 
it was so much love in that you can feel it when you listen to the whole CD. Because yeah. everybody was paying particular attention to everything. They wanted every note, every lyric, everything had to be just right. And it wasn't even a struggle because we all was as a one mindset. It is because you're giving praise to your Lord and Savior. So you want to give him your best the way that he gave you his. It really and is. The, and that the, all does the, come through in the record. I particularly want to, before I let you go, I'd love to hear just the, your, your heart behind the idea of a soldier story. You mentioned your, uh, your time in Vietnam and uh, being a disabled veteran with post-traumatic stress disorder. I think a lot mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do with the record in general really comes through specifically in trying to be an encouragement for that particular group of people. What, what's a soldier story about? Okay, the soldier story, the reason I wrote that is because it was breaking my heart to see how many vets were coming back from the Middle East and committing suicide every month, mm-hmm. women and men. And it just seemed that nobody was doing anything about it. But with the struggle, and the struggle I still have today because I'm not 100% healthy myself, but I try to keep the genie in the bottle. But I wanted to let them know that I went through it at one time, and I had to fight an enemy that I couldn't see. Mm. And that's the same thing that's happening with them because everybody looked just alike. You don't know who the enemy really is. Sure. So you have to take a chance, and if you make a mistake, that enemy can take you out. But I wanted to let them know that there is a higher power that can pull them through any situation, regardless of what it is. All you have to do is believe. And in that belief, you have faith. And my faith is strong because I am part of the royal family because I belong to the prince. So if the prince is my father, I have to belong to the royal family. Absolutely. Heirs and co-heirs. (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, right today, with all the success and all the accolades that comes along with that, and with what I went through and experienced in my life with gangs and drugs and women, I mean, you name any type of situation, there is not a drug or whiskey or any woman that can fulfill your heart the way that Jesus Christ can. And I'm going to tell you, this is a natural high man that I just feel like I'm walking three feet off the ground because well, you you know you can't get you can't get this kind of high from drugs because drugs are not getting you high they're taking you low they're not taking you high absolutely so it's right. something to think about you know it's just something to think about and I am really proud and uh to think that I come through all of that and then for him to love me enough. To give me a project like this and, and enable me to finish it from, from start to finish, that's, that was my job and what I had to do because it was made to touch somebody. And it absolutely does. The joy and the, uh, the healing comes through in every note. The, the record is It's Not Too Late. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Calvin Simon. It's a fantastic project. Calvin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much, man, and God bless you and yours, man. God bless you as well. Good to talk to you, brother.
All right, that was our interview with Calvin Simon. We really appreciate Calvin taking the time to talk to us. It was a fantastic conversation and an amazing story. Calvin's newest record is called It's Not Too Late, is available everywhere you buy music now. You can Google that to get it off his own, his uh, CD Baby Siders on iTunes and all that good stuff. It is definitely worth checking out. There are some very, very fun songs on that and a lot of talented musicians involved. All right, we're going to move on. To our final question here, it came in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, How do we react to Matthew 5.39, Romans 12.19, Luke 6.27.28, and verses like that? Verses, our f- verses, verses, it's hard to say. Yes. All right. Verses with an E, verses with a U, are not feeling right when people walk all over us. Can we say that we are doing what Jesus would do, or are we just afraid of confrontation? Is there such a thing as being a Christian pushover, or should we always let it go when people wrong us? Is there a boundary between Christ-like and being a wimp? Where do we draw the line? The Bible describes us as sheep needing a shepherd, yet do we always fight back or not? So uh, the quick summary of those verses they mentioned, Romans twelve nineteen is the one you probably heard about. Um, do not seek revenge and leave that for the Lord. And then Matthew 5 and Luke 6 verse are different versions of the part of the Sermon on the Mount about if someone strikes your right cheek, turn your left cheek mm-hmm. to them. So common verses we all know, and I think this is definitely territory that is uh, ill understood in Christianity mm-hmm. of what verses like this are actually saying, what the point is. And as I think our friend very astutely points out in the question, people often use that as cover for cowardice mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. want to do confrontation. Not really mean physical cowardice, not wanting to fight, but not, you know, standing up to anyone in any mm-hmm. real case. And uh, Glenn, you actually do a lot of counseling with um, kind of pastors and people on healthy confrontation mm-hmm. and what that looks like. So where do these verses about uh, the way Jesus wants to act towards people who wrong us fit into that idea? Well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, you you asked, is, is there a, you know, where's that fine line between being, uh, you know, a meek and humble Christian and being a wimp? Uh, here's the thing: those two aren't in the same area code. Really, functionally, the way meekness is described in the Bible, you have to, that's choosing not to. So yeah, you have right. to have the ability to in order to do that. That's right. Uh, so you know, maybe let's start with a, a very quick example. I'm going to have to drain it of a lot of details because it's not too specific. But uh, we had a situation as a ministry a little while back where. Uh, there was a, another ministry that we were sort of involved in uh, to a certain extent. We were sort of doing some uh, stuff together, partnership type stuff. And it sort of never was a fully healthy relationship uh, in terms of organization to organization. You know, we should uh, say involved with, they would have a service and you would go preach and you would invite their attendees to the bridge service. And right. So there were people over there you got along with, but the right. kind of head-head leadership, it was never real. That's cool. right. That's right. And... Um, by and by, we began to realize there was sort of a jealousy element to that. And we tried, to, I think, every different way we could to say, you don't really need to be jealous of us because we, we're we here to help you. So We're partnering. We're sharing yeah, all the stuff. Yeah. You you, you just uh, take credit for stuff, and that's we don't care. So just do that. Take credit for what you do, which we're telling you is impressive and good. Right. And, and that was sort of the original basis of that relationship. That sort of fell apart. Well, uh, eventually what happened was they sort of, in, in, a, in a broad sense, uh, made an accusation about us that not only was not true, but the people that they were making that accusation to absolutely knew that it was not true. They were they're actually around for the situation. They, they, they were aware of what had happened there. 
Uh, and it's the kind of thing, if you're upset, if you're feeling insecure and jealous, you'll just, you know, uh, who are we to judge? You'll say something ridiculous and silly and stupid, and you'll regret it, but you say it. That's what happened. I mean, they just mm-hmm. said something really, really, really bad. It could have really hurt us if it wasn't for the fact that we had worked on our reputation for so long and people knew what was going on. Now, we could have fired back on that and we would have, uh, so to speak, won that argument because, again, everyone knew what the score was. But we made the decision after lots of thought and lots of prayer, lots of looking at it, to simply say we hold no grudges, we forgive completely, uh, it, we, we it's we've made enough of our own mistakes. We don't have the right to judge. What happened here, yes, is wrong, and God isn't pleased, and we aren't either. But we've decided that we're just simply going to let that go and move on. Well, uh, that that wasn't easy. I mean, I think we were pretty darn angry about it, and mm-hmm. and it, and it was maybe sad more than it was an angering thing once you really started to deal with it. But we we endeavored to forgive them. Well, here's the thing. We ended up with a much better and much more healthy uh, uh, situation that the Lord blessed us with. Here's another thing that happened. That particular uh, uh, institution ended up declaring bankruptcy right after that. Uh, not it, saying it's because they did us wrong, but not not saying that. That's, yeah. <laughs> Just let uh, that be a lesson to the rest of you. Right. So it's it's one of those things of God handled his business, and that's the that's the biblical idea. Yeah, that's is, literally the living out of Romans twelve. That's in this situation exactly right. It it it's it's not that uh, we decided that it was okay. We decided that it was wrong, and we. It, but that's how you get to a place of forgiveness. As you say, this is wrong. It's unacceptable to God. It's unacceptable to me. Having said that, I choose to forgive. Mm-hmm. If you don't say that it's wrong, you can't forgive. So that's what the wimpiness is all about. Is you're not having the courage to declare this is wrong, and you don't have the courage to uh, uh, get to a place where forgiveness takes place. But um, all of that, I think, is really a discussion about, a, a side theological discussion about the, that's a distraction from the key thing we're talking about here, which is, I don't want to confront this person. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If you don't, a, everybody hates confrontation. Yep. You're a weirdo if you love confrontation, so that's that. Uh, B, there is a right way to do that. Uh, a Christian right way to do that, yes, but there's also a way to do that that radically reduces the amount of uncomfortability. There's a wise you, way to do it. There's a wise way to do that, that that's going to make it a lot more comfortable for you. Uh, my sister and I were just talking about uh, uh, strategies on confrontation. She was really struggling to get a hold of that. And there was a point where I was describing how to do that. You know, you have to be honest, but you have to be loving within that. And it's often probably hard to do. And she said, well, wait a second, I'm a nurse and I do that all the time as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And it just clicked into place for her. She knew how to, to go, sort of go into character, so to speak, in order to do that confrontation. And it was all mapped out for it. So finding that kind of stuff is is it's not about the theology of it or you know turning the other cheek or any of these other things. You need to confront unhealthy situations, uh, and you need to have courage in that if you're looking for the theology of it. 
But we need the wisdom to know how to do that in a, in a way that's effective and healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. right. I think it really comes through in that story you're telling of this is maybe the big difference we're talking about here is um, this kind of avoiding confrontation, cowardice, as you put it, which is exactly right. Being a pushover is a bit of the, it was probably fine. Yeah, right. that's where you get in that. I'm probably we're probably overreacting. It was probably mm-hmm. you know, people have the reasons. If you if you can start off on calling it out, this is wrong. Then you can get to those kind of things. I mean, mm-hmm. the Romans twelve mm-hmm. verse does say you know if anyone wrongs you, do right. not seek revenge, but lay that up the Lord. That's right. It has to start with being wrong. That's right. So and and I actually wasn't around for some of that situation you're talking about, but heard a lot of the aftermath. And people would come to you and say, "I hear you're not working with so and so anymore. What's the deal with that?" You don't lie to them. You don't say, "Well, right. there's two sides." Or my you. I mean, if somebody you didn't know, you might say, well, you know, it's this and there. But if someone you work, pastors you work close with, say, why don't you go there? You tell them the deal because right. the deal is what it is. You have yep. to own that a little That's bit. Right. And I think a, a big part of the courage you're talking about there is, as we talk a lot about uh, facing life on life's terms, is the courage to look at a situation for what it is and then move based on that. Right. That's Not right. necessarily to move towards a retaliation, but just to say, I'm making a choice based on the fact that this person intentionally did a hurtful thing mm-hmm. towards me. And some of our, some confrontation aversion uh, lives in that, well, was it really yeah. wrong in yeah. the day? And I think that's a very important kind of place to view all these things through. Right, that's right. And Joe, I'd love to go to you on this idea of, I think Glenn did a great job with that Romans verse. Let's look at the uh, the gospel verses here about if anyone strikes you on your, on your cheek, turn your other cheek to them. Um, that's actually in a very specific context. Sure. Telling you not to have a very specific type of reaction. Yep. And it seems like Christians, uh, again, to... Uh, as they often do, have taken this verse, it's about one thing, and decided it's about a way they want to act anyway, yep. and kind of baptize that. So what are those verses really saying, and how does that really apply to our life? That's a great question. Well, I think the, the thing that Christians so often take from those verses is just put up with whatever anybody else wants to do. That's, yep. you know, that's, that's the holy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, here's, here's how we can know that that's not what those verses are saying. That doesn't work. Like, you you actually can't live that way, putting up with whatever anybody else wants to do at all times, and live the life God is calling you to live. You mm-hmm. you can't do both of those things. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there must be something else. And the thing that I would submit to you is that the something else begins with setting boundaries to begin with, and then creating a strategy based on those boundaries. Let me explain what I mean. Christians have a way of... I am going to just live my life and then misbehavior will find me. And then it's, does Jesus want me to put up with this misbehavior that is now occurring around me? I want to be clear here. Um, I don't want you to hear me blaming the victim. If people are being uncool to you, that's on them. So full stop. That said, there are things that we can do to prevent that stuff from happening to begin with. Here's, here's the process of how that works. We start by saying, what kind of life, what kind of environment does God want me to be in? Mm. What, what kind of existence does God want me to have? Do, does God want me to live a life where people are steadily coming up to me and acting the fool? Right. And, and the okay. answer is no. God does not want that for you. God does not want people to verbally and emotionally and certainly not physically abuse you. God is not looking for that to happen. So we set a boundary for ourselves. We say, I am not going to put up with abusive situations. I'm also not going to put myself into abusive situations. Let's pause for a second, because those are two different things. I'm not going to put up with abusive situations means if I find myself in one, I'm going to take steps to remove myself from it. And that's very much what Glenn's describing. But the other side is, 
I'm not going to put myself into abusive situations. Right. I'm going to look ahead in my life and try and see a certain amount of this coming and then make other plans. Mm -hmm. Christians really struggle with that. But the funny thing is a couple of little tweaks can make a huge difference. I'll give an example from my own life. I have some relatives and I love them and they love me and I want as I'm able to visit them. But here's what I've discovered. Whenever I visit, they always eventually wind up misbehaving. They say awful things. They do awful things. It's a, it's a really negative. It's an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. So Hallie and I, we talk, Hallie's my wife, and we talk about this together. And here's what we piece together. You know what? This always happens about a day and a half in. Right. It's about 36 hours in, and then that's when the misbehavior really, really cranks up. We look at each other and say, well, what if we just kept all of our visits with them to 24 hours? Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. They, you know, I don't think they'll have the courage to say anything about it. Uh, works for us. Why don't we just try that? So what? Uh, do you think that'll work? She said, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. So we said, all right, we'll give it a try. So we started visiting for 24 hours. And here's what's crazy. We could see these people who we love vibrating, yes. physically <laughs> trembling with Terrible. the desire to start misbehaving around hour 23. Here it comes. <laughs> we say, well, it's been lovely to see you. Right. We'll hope mm -hmm. to see you again soon. And then we'd pile in the car, just me and Hallie, and go have a milkshake and be on our way. It worked great. It was fantastic. And it's great for them, too, because they get to behave and feel good about themselves. Exactly right. But let's look at how we got there. That's a success story, but let's look mm -hmm. at the elements that went into that success. The first is saying they're people I love. I want to have good interactions with them. Mm -hmm. The second, and this goes to the question of should I just be a pushover? Should I just say, ah, it's not a big deal? The second part was being honest. These people will wildly misbehave if given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's it's not right. even it's not even that they might misbehave. They will. Yes. They super duper will misbehave if given the opportunity. So then the next question is strategically, uh, does God want us to put up with that? No, definitely not. Then what can we do to limit their ability to misbehave? In this case, it's super easy. We just leave. Right. You know, we figure right. out they can last about 24 hours, so we leave at the 24-hour mark. Right, right. That, if you can dig it, you can do that kind of analysis in all kinds of situations in your own life. The easiest forgiveness to offer is the forgiveness you don't have to offer because you put in the work to set up a situation where they didn't get to misbehave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me say that again, because that's, that's worth hearing. The easiest forgiveness to offer is the kind you don't have to offer. Right. Because you put in the work and the thought and the prayer and the wisdom and the strategy to create a situation where this other person wasn't able to act like a jerk towards you. That's right. Now, I want to yeah, be, you're helping them to succeed, really. Exactly right. I want to be clear again, I'm not blaming you for when people do act like a jerk towards right, you. Right. That's, that's on them, that's right. 100%. But what this is really about, if you want to be maximum strength Christian, the Bible's word to you is love them anyway. Right. They were a jerk to you, love them anyway. They did you evil, love them anyway. They struck you on the right cheek, love them anyway. Mm -hmm. That is the witness of Scripture. The question is, how do we live that out? Right. Part of the way we live out that impossible task is by saying, how do we make that easier? That's right. And, and you found a way to have a loving relationship with them. That's, exactly right. That's the victory. Exactly right. Well, that goes back to, as we mentioned on the, on the show before, having a working definition of loving someone as being dedicated to their good. Exactly right. Jed and Hallie are dedicated to these family members having good, positive interactions. Exactly right. Exactly they have right. taken steps in towards action of being dedicated to that end. Exactly right. 
If we don't do that, though, and I do this, we're going to love you anyway, and you're steadily doing things that every day are making it harder and harder and harder for me to love you, then we're pushing everything against what Jesus wants. Mm-hmm. And here, here's the thing, and I'll land the plane on this. Here's what you need to know about yourself. Your capacity to love and forgive is finite. Yep. God's is infinite. Yours is finite. If situations continue where people are abusive to you day in and day out, you will stop loving them. You yep. need to know that about yourself. You will stop forgiving that's them. That's right. Because that's the way humanity works. Mm-hmm. If you're called to love people anyway, the only way to do that in a sustainable, ongoing way is to limit their ongoing ability to hurt you. Mm. That's the only way to do that. If you let people in an unlimited, unregulated way hurt you in perpetuity, you will reach a point where you stop loving them and stop forgiving them. That's mm-hmm. the inevitable end that's not the way God wants you to love people. He wants you to love them in a healthy, sustainable, ongoing way till the end of time. That's absolutely right. And I want to, Jed was absolutely spot on there. Now, if you heard the word abuse and had a knee jerk at that, we want to take a second and explain that obviously abusive behavior exists on a spectrum. Yes. As Jed is saying, saying jerky things and not caring that it hurts someone's feeling is abusive behavior. Yes. We tend to think of abuse as only being uh, extreme physical, sexual, uh, whatever. That's not. If someone is on that far extreme behavior, obviously uh, the best thing you can do to love them is never see them again. Yes. For they are incapable of having a healthy relationship. Um, if they, uh, but on the, we're talking about some lesser things here, this kind of strike on the left cheek or the right cheek. That's a very specific cultural reference to someone's pride being wounded. You'll notice it doesn't say if someone hits you upside the head of the shovel, Turn the other side of your head to them. It's a very specific reference of in the kind of Old Old Testament religious code, if someone struck you in the face, you were owed by the justice system to strike them back. Mm. That's kind of, a, you know, but that was a way you could challenge someone. It's very, it's very Hamilton. Mm. It's very of the moment. It's mm. very duly. Mm. Yes. But exactly, there's a reason it's in a, a passage of Scripture saying, don't take revenge. Love someone anyway. They're saying, someone treated you bad. The answer is not to treat them bad back. Yep. That's what we're trying to avoid here. That's what Jesus is talking about in all these verses is the way the world works, works then, works now, is someone hurts you, get even. Hurt them right back. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. Someone hurts you, be dedicated to your own health first and then theirs. Yes. They're good. If it's someone who, for whatever reason, it's one of the weirdest parts of this job, in a weird way, I'm going to say it on sentence here, we don't judge abusive people really because we've worked with enough to know that... uh, Oh, an overwhelming percentage of the time. There are some people who, bless them, their brains just don't work right. Yeah. And that's actually to be a subject of pity as well. Yeah. But the vast majority of people who kind of lash out to hurt people, the phrase that gets used in recovering communities is hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't mean you have to put up with it. That's right. You can get to a point where you say, from a distance, I can forgive. I cannot hold it against them. I don't wish them ill. That's about as far as I can go. Yeah. That's plenty Christian. But when we're on these lower level things of people... They're talking about being a little out of pocket, being rude, being, um, you know, we, we talk to people in churches a lot where, you know, sister so-and-so is driving everybody crazy by, you know, talking about the girls shouldn't be wearing pants or leggings or whatever. It is not loving for everyone to get home and go, oh, sister so-and-so is killing us. Right, right. That's right. Cannot wait till sister so-and-so just dies and we can <laughs> right. be free <laughs> right. of this. What's more loving is for someone preferably someone who gets paid by this church, for that mm-hmm. is their job, to say, Sister so-and-so, we all love you. I am going to give you the benefit of the doubt to say that you're coming from a good place of wanting the young people to respect the church and be, what we're telling you is no. 
All right. back. We, as the people, the elders, the pastors, think they're fine. Therefore, they are fine. Put your effort somewhere else. You got right. good efforts. Put them somewhere right. else. That's right. We're talking about that kind of stuff, and that's. But it's again, it sounds uh, wildly different to what we're talking about on the bigger stuff. But it is the same continuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't say, well, uh, maybe if you wore less hat, <laughs> right. we could get some more people in this church. They wouldn't have. But that's right. that's lashing out. You right. say, I'm I'm going to. N- I, my goal in this is in no way to hurt you back. Mm-hmm. Right. My goal is to create a sustainable system going forward, mm-hmm. which is really what Glenn and Jed are both talking about here. That's the heart of this, and that is not, as Jed is pointing out, you cannot do that when you just subject, subject yourself to the same hurt over and over that's again. Right. It's actually counterproductive to what Jesus yeah. is talking about. So that is a lot of good stuff. We hope you enjoyed that. Again, you can get Calvin Simon's album, It's Not Too Late, anywhere you buy music now. We really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us. I'm going to take out with a song this week. I forgot to do the Bridgebox bridge plug at the beginning. I'll do it now. Ah! For this song is from Bridgebox. This wow. is, uh, Glenn may take offense to this, but I'm going to say the most funkadelic member of our staff. Yeah, I think it's true. Would be Mr. Pete Lawson. Yeah, definitely. No yeah. doubt. And uh, this is his and his wife Tasha's song from this month's edition of Bridgebox. It's called Ask Somebody. It's a great tune. We're going to take you out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Get well soon, Lee. Unfortunately, Jed ate your share of the cookies. I want to make a million changes at the start. It ends a failure because there's no change in my heart. Over and over, every trial ends the same. Hide my face because I never learned how to deal with my shame. I try to motivate myself, it never lasts. My future falling because I trip over my past. Try to feel it out, emotion drag me down Anyone who keep me honest, no I don't want them around Guru or a saint Holy Spirit inside me Speak up when I can't